0: Hello, welcome to the Dear Nikki podcast, where I'm going to be giving you personalized user research advice based on your questions or struggles. So let's dive into today's episode. Hello, hello. I'm so excited to be back. I know it's been a little while since I recorded an episode. I was in Dublin for fun and then i went to chicago for 4 days for the people nerds conference it was amazing it was so fun i met the people nerds team so the team that i have been working with for the past 4 years for the first time in person it was amazing i we had we had a blast i must say i am still recovering from jet lag about a week later <laughs> it was a whirlwind of a trip but so nice to to meet the team and and be around the team and honestly it was nice to get my fix of american things so i went to every starbucks on every corner which i know isn't very exciting for everybody who has a starbucks near them or doesn't like starbucks i know a lot of people don't but you know when you've been outside of your your i guess home it doesn't really feel like home but when you've been outside of your uh, natural Space for such a long time. It's nice to come back to some of those familiar things and a lot of Halloween de- decorations. That was amazing because there's not that much Halloween going on here in Jersey. My house is completely decked out and I think it's one of the only ones on the island. <laughs> but that's okay. I will bring Halloween to Jersey. Anyways, Uh, after that update, which might not be very interesting, but hey, I like to share a little bit about personal life and things that are going on. Uh, We have a wonderful question, actually, and it's about the B2B space and recruiting participants in the B2B space. And I am super excited to answer this question because the B2B space is something that I love and worked in for a long time and I know can be quite mysterious. So let's go ahead and listen to the question now. Hi, Nikki. I'm a researcher in the B2B department of my organization currently, and I'm creating the research practice uh, under the B2B umbrella. I was wondering if you had any tips on how to best recruit B2B participants with the ultimate goal of creating a research panel. So should I have any interviews coming up and I'd like to reach out to B2B folks, uh, there would be a panel available. Just wondering if you had any best tips on how to reach out to these uh, types of customers. Thank you. Great, so this is a wonderful question and I'm very excited to to answer it for you. I, As I mentioned, I worked in the B2B space for quite some time and as well as many people who are in the B2B space, I struggled with that initial participant recruitment. So whenever I joined a B2B company, I was usually the first and only user researcher. So there was nothing set up in terms of a participant panel or people that we had talked to in the past. In fact, I felt like it was the opposite. So clients or customers were actually shielded from talking to the team because of either past research that had been done poorly or promises that had been made or people that had requested features over and over again didn't get them then they got upset so there were actually more barriers to get to these b2b participants than i had ever thought could have been a possibility. So it wasn't just, hey, how do we find these people? It was, how do we build the trust again with the departments that care for and have high touch with these clients and customers so that we can get access to them? So I'm not sure where you are in that spectrum of, we actually can talk to them, nobody's too worried to, to nobody wants us to talk to customers and they're kind of safeguarded somewhere. So one thing that I will say is whenever I was working in B2B companies, I never had a recruitment tool. I had I, I was working in startups primarily or small size companies. So the budget for these bigger recruitment agencies or recruitment tools was not available for me. So I will get that out immediately if you do have the budget. And if the recruitment tools have your niche participant base that you need, that is one way to go. So tools like user testing, user Zoom, testing time, or smaller boutique agencies that might be able to help with more niche participants, that is one way to get those participants is by paying a tool to source them for you. And I know that some people do have access to budget, and that is one way to go. I would say if you are using one of those tools or if you're interested in using one of those tools, when always do a demo, which usually you have to do anyways in order to procure the budget for, for the tool. Do the demo and make sure that they have your audience. Something that I have heard of in the past is the tool or the people promise that they can get you your audience members or the customers that you need and and fit the criteria, but they actually can't because they didn't know all your criteria and thus could not source the participants. So first things first if you do want to if you do have the means to use a tool make sure that they can get all the criteria that you need so think about some of your hardest most difficult criteria and can they get those participants for you the second option is to minimize your criteria so make it easier as long as it doesn't ruin the quality of the participants that you're looking for so that's tools. <laughs> tools will also hold your participants. So if you're looking for a participant panel, right? Uh, these tools can, can hold these participants within them. You can oftentimes bring your participants tool, to the tools. Uh, so that is that is one way to source these participants and start building that panel. Now, I, I've, I've done that once in a company, uh, twice, in, a, in two companies where I've had the, the budget, but those were B2C customers, so the criteria was a little bit easier. So when working in B2B without tools, without budget for recruitment agencies or or recruitment, any sort of recruitment or panel, real panel tools, your favorite people will be account managers or customer success managers, whoever has that direct link to your customers. And oftentimes they are called account managers, customer success managers. You could also potentially, depending on how your organization is set up, sometimes customer support does quite a few roles (laughs) within that, within that area. So they're also customer success or they're also account managers. So, um, check with customer support too. But you're looking for anybody who has a direct link to your customers. That is how I sourced almost all of my B2B participants was through the account management team. That's how my organization was set up. The account managers were the ones that were very high touch with clients and customers. So they were talking to them all the time. They understood them. They knew pain points. They knew needs. They knew how the client kind of worked and talked and their mindset. So those account managers were the number one people that I went to when I started at a company and B2B company specifically. And when I wanted to begin research and building a participant panel. Now, as I mentioned, one of the companies that I joined did the account managers did not want us talking to customers because of poor experiences with research, not necessarily researchers doing research, but just poor experiences with people having conversations with clients. Overpromising, under delivering, you know, that whole scenario. So what I did is for a little bit of time, I had to sit through account managers' customer calls. So I sat with them and I listened, I listened in. I also listened in to sales calls. So you could also reach out to your sales team to understand the people who are talking to them and thinking about your product during that time because often, oftentimes the journey is different along along those stages so the person who is buying the platform might not be the person who is then using the platform so both the sales team and account management teams can hold two different types of of people within your platform not always sometimes it's the same person through and through but sometimes you can have two different roles who are looking at the procurement and buying of your platform and then the people who are using it. So the sales team is also a great place to sit in on calls or talk to them to see if you can get uh, the customer calls going with people who are thinking about b- buying your product. So what I did is I sat through those account management calls. So they would have weeklies or biweeklies with clients depending on the client's needs. And I would sit in, I would listen to them, Eventually, I said, hey, is it okay if I ask a few questions at the end of this call? And slowly, and I mean slowly, like this took months because the trust just wasn't there. This, this took months. But what I did is I made note of the questions and the things that were coming up when the account manager was talking to these clients. And I brought them over to the product team. And I said, hey, product team, these are things we need to fix. And this is the evidence behind them. Obviously, that took as well some time because I was getting it from a secondary source. (laughs) I said that with air quotes, just in case (laughs) that didn't come through. And so what I did though, is I continuously brought these things that I heard from the calls that the account managers were having with clients to the product team. We started fixing things based on the conversations and the things that I was hearing. The account managers saw that then I asked, hey, can I ask a few questions at the end to get more information, right? So more pointed because because uh, the conversations they were having, of course, like the client would bring up things that weren't going well or questions that they had so that I could bring those, those snippets to the team, but they weren't digging in in a user research sense because that's not their job. So then I started digging in more on, hey, when this happens, what's going on what are you trying to do what are some workarounds that you're using why is that not working for you why is that why is that working for you so i started digging in more in terms of their experience so i could bring more rich data back to the product team and i did that and then we got better changes because I was able to ask the questions that the account managers weren't asking because that's again it's not their job to do so they they are there to build and maintain a successful relationship with clients whereas for us we are there to dig deeper and understand experiences so over time again 6 months I would say this took and then I had my first customer call generative research session without an account manager. So that was awesome. It just took time. So what you need to do is build the trust with your colleagues first off, right? So build that trust. And then once, once you have that trust, you can start to reach out to your account managers and hey, say, Hey, can I have uh, time with this person for 60 minutes, for 90 minutes, for 30 minutes, whatever it is that you need for your given, um, for your given study. And it really helped as well to, one, show the account managers what kind of work we were going to be doing with the clients, so what kind of questions we were going to be asking or what the setup was like. So what I did with my account managers as well is I put them through usability tests. So I, I did internal research on some of our features, and I showed them what it was like to do a usability test. So what would the client or customer... Be going through when I'm talking to them in terms of a usability test. I also helped them see what a research, like a one on one interview, generative research session would be like. I asked them a load of questions, got them to talk about what they thought the client's experiences were, what they thought the biggest pain points were. Then, as so, I started with those and I said, those are the two me- main methodologies that we're going to use. And as I advanced our methodologies to things like concept testing, card sorting, participatory design, journey mapping, mental models, as I increased our toolkit, I always introduced the methodology to the account managers so that they felt comfortable. They knew what the client was going to be a part of and thus could explain it to the customer, right? Another thing that I did is I created templates for the account managers to send out. So if they wanted to be the main point of con- contact for the for the research sessions. So sometimes they wanted to be the ones who are reaching out to customers and asking them if they wanted to be a part of research sessions. I mean, they have a lot on their plate already. So what I did is I created templates, essentially recruitment email templates that I sent to the account managers. So all they had to do when I said, hey, would it be possible for you to reach out to this customer? They just had to take that template and kind of fill in the blanks with hey we would love you to talk to us for a usability study this that is this this and this and so it, it just made it easier when they were doing fill in the blanks another thing that i would say that made it easier is i made sure that the incentive matched the role we were recruiting for what does that mean so we we did a lot of work on with social media managers. I I talked to social media managers who were juniors. I talked to seniors or heads of social media at companies. So I always made sure that the incentive was, was respectful, essentially, for what we were asking from that person. This took some time in research. You can use participant calculator, uh, participant incentive calculators. There are a few, Ethneo, is, is one of them that I I have used in the past, and I know that they have some good data. You can also talk with the account managers and see what they think. So get get their ideas and feedback, and you can iterate on these incentives, but you just want to make sure that the incentive matches what you are asking. So if you're doing a 90-minute session, make sure that you're, you're offering enough money so that so that it makes sense to that person. Because I know that some B2B platforms are dealing with people like doctors. Doctors require a lot of money to give 90 minutes of their time. Same with lawyers. When I did work with lawyers, same thing. But then I was doing work with social media managers, and that's a little bit less that I had to give for an incentive as I did for a doctor. So that is how I recruited and sourced those B2B participants. Other ways to do so, once you kind of have that buy-in or if you already have that buy-in, I always had a pop-up on our platform. If this is allowed, I know that this isn't allowed with every platform, but a pop-up which allowed people to sign up if they were interested. So I gave a brief description of what it was that they were looking for or what it was that we were looking for and what we wanted them to sign up for and they would pop in their name and email. And so I have them essentially in a list. Something else that you can do that I actually recommend more so than the pop up is having the pop up, but having it link to a page that gives detailed information on the on on the participant panel. So what does that mean? Uh, essentially, when you're building a participant panel, you want to create a sense of a community, and like these people are part of a community and giving something, and also getting something in return. So what does that look like? I did several different things when it came to um, this community and making them feel heard and respected and valued. One was biannual thank yous. So they got a biannual thank you from us. It was a gift basket, check with your legal department to see what you are allowed and not allowed to give your clients though. because that is something to very much consider you might not be allowed to do this or uh another thing so when when the when the list got to when the participant panel got too big to send everybody a thank you basket we did a raffle for thank you basket and a raffle for swag we also there was one time where i did a raffle for a discount as well so there are a few different ways that you can say thank you it's kind of similar to like how you would thank you know a a research participant if you didn't have the money to give them so things like discounts, uh, things like swag, thank you baskets, raffles to gift cards, anything like that. They also got to talk to us about our roadmap if they wanted to. So we had a customer roadmap day where we would share a roadmap to interested parties and they would give us feedback. We also had a special request features uh, workflow for them. So they could request a feature and that would go into a special prioritized workflow that we would see and we would use that and try as like a triangulation method of a lot of these people are requesting that they could download 50 images at once instead of just five right and and then that would get prioritized and triangulated with other data that we have been hearing maybe about the same thing so those are some ways to actually make people feel heard. One thing that I will say is with B2B participants in particular, because they are they feel closer to your company somehow, especially if you talk to them, be very careful because a lot of them might ask you, when is this feature going to be out or when can we expect these changes or blah, 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 this is a problem, when are you going to fix it? Try not to give a date where your product managers might be really mad. Sorry, I've done that. And so what I would always recommend doing is, hey, okay, we're going to take all this information. It's going to be considered in our roadmap of which we have a meeting on and at this date later in January, let's say, and we will uh, show you more of that once we have an idea of exactly when that's going to be done because we don't want to promise something is done and it doesn't get done on time so that's also something to think about sometimes uh, b2b customers can be a bit pushy so just make sure that you have a rehearsed response to that so what i did is i put those customers who were interested and so going back to that like sign up page or getting getting people from account managers, we used Salesforce. I put them into Salesforce. I tagged them with a, with a particular tag in terms of, hey, this is a recurring participant or this is somebody on a participant panel so that I kind of understood that we could reach out to those people multiple times. Another thing that I would say is always assess at the end, so let's say a customer signs up or you get a a referral from an account manager for a customer who you think would be a good, who they think would be a good fit for research, always at the end, assess whether that person has been a good fit and then say, if they haven't said yes to recurring research, if they are a good fit, ask them, hey, do you mind being in our participant panel? These are the things that are, you can call it a participant community. I wouldn't call it a panel. I would call it a a community these are the things that you get with that. We would love to also get your regular feedback on things that are coming out. Another thing that I forgot to mention is I opened up beta testing more early to those participants in the panel. So they got kind of first look at stuff and could be a dry. I, I, I told them that they could be a driving force behind features and how the experience was. They weren't always, but it gave them a sense of importance and value. So if they are a good participant, ask them to come back again, and if they would be willing to be a part of this community. If they are a bad participant, don't. <laughs> so at the end, always assess if they were a good participant or not. Sometimes if I'm, I'm not sure, I will give the, that person another chance because, hey, we all have bad days. But if that person, again, isn't really giving me what I need, so that looks like very short answers, not rich data don't, they don't seem interested, whatever it might be, I will just take them off that list. The next thing is if you do talk to a good participant or even if the participant's just okay, something that I always ask is the snowball question. So, who else would you recommend we talk to? Could you send me their email? Could you send me an intro? So you can you, what you can do is you kind of snowball off of that person. So who else, either in your company or somebody, a colleague that you know in a different company who might be interested in, in giving, us, giving us feedback on this. So that's another way to continue with your participant panel by asking participants directly for a referral. Sometimes if you have the budget, you can give them like a referral bonus. So, hey, if you refer somebody to our community and they're a good fit, you get a discount. So, but talk, again, talk to legal and, and kind of understand your budget and how these things work with that. Um, so what... Essentially what I then did was I built that participant panel out in Salesforce. So either the account managers who gave me clients or the people who signed up via our our page or the Snowball participants, those all went into that participant panel and that's where I managed that in Salesforce. I will say, don't reach out too much to people. So if people take part in a study, I blacked them out for a period of one month, so they weren't able to be a part of a study for another month just because I didn't want to give them study fatigue and I wanted to make sure that I was varying the participants that I was speaking to and not just talking to like one client over and over again. Of course, that time period might depend on the size of your panel. If you have a really huge panel, you might be able to kind of not reach out to people for three months or two months, depending on on how you feel in terms of interactions, but always you're always able to iterate. So always keep that in mind. Always ask people for feedback. Hey, how do you find the community? How do you find the cadence of the studies? Do you want more? Do you want less? So you can you can always iterate on that. But that's how I started sourcing and building that participant panel in the B2B space. It was really challenging and it took some time, but I had a really, really great time doing it. So I hope that those tips and tricks were helpful. If there are things that you're already starting to try out, maybe some validation that you're going in the right direction, or if you've never thought about this before and you're struggling with this at your current organization, or maybe moving to a new B2B role, hopefully this is helpful for you. So, I am going to say thank you so much. I really appreciated this question and it was super fun to to talk about this. And I hope it was I hope it was very helpful. I do cover a bunch of other questions like this in my user research membership. I'm going to pop a link to that in the show notes. So, if you're interested in becoming a member of my membership, you can fully do that. I fully support you in that journey. <laughs> But uh, if, if not, keep sending me questions. I'm happy to answer them on here. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to hit subscribe and submit your next question. And I look forward to talking to you all soon. Bye.